Governor Holcomb speaking for the first time since signing the state's new abortion ban. Plus, former governor and vice president Mike Pence says he'd consider testifying in front of the January 6th committee if called upon, as a key Republican on that panel is defeated at the ballot box. All that plus Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg on climate and energy as the president signs a sweeping bill into law. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. soon learn more about the various investigations into former President Trump, with the judge ordering parts of that affidavit to be unsealed. This is former Vice President Mike Pence says if asked, he'd, quote, consider testifying in front of the January 6th committee, whose ranking Republican Liz Cheney was just defeated in Wyoming, now among eight Republicans who've been primaried since voting to impeach the former president. Today, we've got the latest from our Washington bureau straight ahead. Also this week, we're hearing from Governor Eric Holcomb for the first time since he signed Senate Bill 1 into law, enacting a near-total ban on abortion that takes effect next month. State House reporter Kristen Eskow asked him about his decision to sign that bill into law. The bottom line is that it's progress towards uh, valuing the sanctity of life and expressing it through law. Governor Eric Holcomb speaking with reporters for the first time since approving Indiana's near-total ban on abortion. Despite criticism of the legislation from both abortion rights supporters and anti-abortion activists, Holcomb signed the bill into law about an hour after it received final approval in the legislature. Given the amount of discontent we heard from Hoosiers on both sides of the yeah. abortion debate, how did you arrive at the decision to sign the bill so quickly? Well, I, I told the legislature I wasn't going to dither. I said if this met my threshold of making progress as maybe imperfect as it was, um, that I was going to sign it. Hours later, two of Indiana's biggest employers, engine maker Cummins and pharmaceutical company Eli Lilly, both criticized the new law. Lilly said it plans to explore opportunities for growth outside the Hoosier state. Holcomb acknowledged companies may consider abortion policy when choosing where to do business, but he believes Indiana will still be able to attract and retain jobs. A lot of these companies want to grow, and their growth is off the charts in our state. Some might just fly over the state of Indiana because of this issue. I don't mean to be um, act uh, like it'll never happen. It might. Um, but so were a lot of other issues that factor into where someone invests. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kristen Escow. All right, Kristen, thanks. Governor Holcomb recently called for a special election in the 2nd Congressional District to replace the late Jackie Walorski, who was killed in a crash earlier this month. This weekend, Republicans in northern Indiana choosing her replacement on the ballot. Walorski's widow endorsing her former finance director, Rudy Yakum. But some interesting names also entered that race, including former Attorney General Curtis Hill, former State Rep Christy Stutzman, and current State Rep Kurt Nisley, who was primaried out of his seat at the State House. Now, we'll discuss this entire process in depth coming up next week. Well, speaking of noteworthy primaries this week, Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney was soundly defeated in her home state. Still, she says her work on the January 6th committee will continue as the former president continues to face scrutiny. What does it all mean ahead of this year's midterms? Here's Washington correspondent Anna Wernicke. 
Wyoming Republican voters fired Congresswoman Liz Cheney in Tuesday's primary, giving a landslide victory to her Trump-backed opponent. Now the real work begins. Cheney said following her primary defeat that her fight against the former president is not over. I have said since January 6th that I will do whatever it takes to ensure Donald Trump is never again anywhere near the Oval Office, and I mean it. Cheney voted to impeach Trump and has been Trump's loudest Republican critic in the House. She is vice chair of the committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Donald Trump has a list of the people he's been going after, and uh, his top targets have been the 10 members of the House that voted for his impeachment. Todd Belt is a political management professor at the George Washington University. To see a sitting congresswoman go down in such a staggering defeat really underscores the power of Donald Trump over the Republican Party. Only two of the House Republicans who voted to impeach Trump will be on the ballot in November. Two resigned and Trump-backed candidates won six other races. In Alaska, Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski survived her primary race Tuesday. She was the only senator in her party up for re-election who voted to convict the former president and was on Trump's hit list. Someone like Lisa Murkowski, who's represented her state for a good long time and has really high name recognition there, that's a difficult person to unseat. Trump reacted to Cheney's loss on his social media platform, calling it, quote, a wonderful result for America. For now, in Washington, I'm Anna Warnicke. Back to you. Okay, Anna, thanks. Also this week, President Biden signing a sweeping bill passed by Congress known as the Inflation Reduction Act, which also provides billions to fight climate change and cut health care costs. Now, while Republicans say the bill won't help fight inflation, Democrats say the new legislation will help Americans at a critical time. Rashad Hudson has more from the nation's capital. The new law is being celebrated by White House officials and climate advocates. The next step will be trying to sell it to the American people. With this law, the American people won and the special interests lost. Tuesday, President Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law, calling the massive climate, health and tax legislation historic. It's about delivering progress and prosperity to American families. Joining the president were key Democratic lawmakers who helped push the bill across the finish line, like West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. I said it's not a green bill, it's not a blue bill, it's a red, white and blue bill, it really is. It's the nation's largest investment in climate. It directs nearly $400 billion in climate and energy programs with tax credits and incentives to cut emissions by 40% over the next eight years. And it's going to mitigate the climate crisis. It's going to protect our families. The bill passed Congress with no Republican support. Missouri Congressman Jason Smith called the bill a reckless spending spree. So lots of spending up front, lots of debt up front, and then maybe savings eight years from now. With less than three months until the November midterm elections, President Biden plans to hit the road in the coming weeks to explain what's in the landmark piece of legislation. Reporting in Washington, Rashad Hudson, back to you. All right, this week we also heard from Transportation Secretary and former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg, along with an economist who says this bill won't have an immediate impact. First, here's what Secretary Buttigieg had to say about electric vehicles in an interview this week with our Washington Bureau. 
So part of the design of this bill is not to support any electric vehicle, but to support U.S.-made or North America-made electric vehicles, and not so much the luxury cars, uh, but cars that are going to make a difference for American families. Uh, the point here is that Americans can save money on gas by owning an electric vehicle, but only if they can actually afford it in the first place. So what the uh, Inflation Reduction Act does is it makes those EVs cheaper. The Inflation Reduction Act is not going to have an immediate effect on the inflation rate. Uh, the inflation that we're experiencing now is more of a short-term phenomenon, and the provisions that are in the bill are not going to really come into play until next year at the earliest. When company CEOs talk about their corporate earnings reports, many of them are pretty optimistic. Uh, so I'm looking at that as kind of a positive sign, but yet there are indicators like the yield curve that are pointing in the wrong direction and suggesting that we are indeed going to head into a recession. That's why this time period is confusing uh, for many business analysts and economists, because we have such mixed signals right now. What's next for the Biden administration priorities getting legislation passed heading into well, there's been extraordinary legislative accomplishment. I mean, just in less than two years, uh, not only the legislation that brought our economy back from the brink of, uh, of the abyss with COVID and saw all this job creation, that infrastructure law that moved on a bipartisan basis, the CHIPS Act, which is helping us get semiconductors and manufacturing here in the U.S., uh, ocean shipping reform, the legislation for veterans with burn pits, really glad to see that pass as somebody who served in Afghanistan, and now this Inflation Reduction Act. It's extraordinary. We're going to keep pushing. Of course, the big focus in my department right now is to take all those investments that were provided and put them to work so that you actually see them coming to your community. We just rolled out grants in every single state in the country using dollars from that bipartisan infrastructure law, and there's more where that came from. Buttigieg, by the way, here in Indiana, meeting with state Democrats this weekend. Now, in a statement, Congressman Andre Carson said Hoosiers deserve to know their representatives in D.C. are fighting to lower prices and fight inflation. He says that's why he was, quote, proud to vote for the Inflation Reduction Act which takes historic measures to reduce the deficit and ensure a fairer tax code, said Carson. Senator Mike Braun also weighing in. He said Hoosiers are already taking a 10% pay cut from the president's inflation and high gas prices. Now D.C. is adding insult to injury, in his words, by doubling the size of the IRS and dropping another inflation bomb spending bill on the economy while calling it inflation reduction, according to Braun. But what about the impact of this bill here in Indiana? Our Kristen Eskow takes a closer look. One component of the Inflation Reduction Act is the extension of tax credits for solar panels. Experts say you might see more of them on homes and businesses going forward due to this legislation. Businesses say a federal renewable energy tax credit has helped more Hoosiers make the switch to solar. And there's a chance it could bring more on board. I've already had two calls today that people are literally calling in because of the bill being passed. Travis Summit works at Rectify Solar in Indianapolis, which primarily installs solar panels on homes. He believes raising that tax credit to 30% for installation costs will make an impact. What we typically find is that people, as they're looking towards the end of their tax year, look to us and look to solar as an opportunity to capture some of the federal tax credit. And that's usually a big incentive to push people along. That tax credit applies to other renewable energy sources as well and will now be extended 10 years. It also creates other financial incentives to increase U.S. manufacturing of green energy equipment. Indiana, it's been a great spot for renewable energy for 
well over a decade. Justin Johnson, whose company is working to build solar plants in southern Indiana, says those provisions could allow use of renewable energy to grow more quickly. I think the, that's one of the primary benefits of the incentives. If you build it faster and more efficiently. You know, long supply chains make any type of construction project challenging. The legislation also changes the requirements for the $7,500 tax credit on electric vehicles. Indiana University professor John Graham says the legislation will likely increase the use of green energy sources, but probably won't lead to monumental changes. It will need to be accompanied by significant either regulations on industry or, or tax policy, like a carbon tax or some type of uh, economic incentive instrument in order to have a revolutionary impact. Renewable energy has also been a big area of focus at the Indiana State House in recent years. Earlier this year, a new law went into effect that sets statewide standards for wind and solar energy projects. In Indianapolis, I'm Kristen Escal. Kristen, thanks. We'll talk about that, with the, uh, that bill with our panel after the break. Plus, could we see all three of these Republicans running for president in 2024? What does the future hold? For Donald Trump, Mike Pence, and Liz Cheney, what's next? Welcome back. I'm joined now by our panel, Laura Wilson, Adam Wren, Laura Beck, and Mike Murphy. Laura, let's start with you. Liz Cheney's loss this week, not surprising, but still seems pretty significant in the midst of everything happening ahead of the midterms and in the midst of this ongoing investigation of the former president. It's incredibly significant because a lot of analysts were looking at these primary elections and wondering how strong that Trump support base would be in terms of showing out. And we've seen now in Arizona, in Michigan, in Missouri, and of course in Wyoming, the, the Trump supporters are there and very strong. For Liz Cheney, obviously this was an important race and I have no doubt she knew the consequences. Uh, she's the daughter of Dick Cheney. He's a great political strategist. She knew what she was risking. And for her, the conviction in terms of justice and understanding history weighed far more than what she thought of her political career in the future. But a lot of times we think of elections having consequences. Elections themselves are consequences. And for Liz Cheney, that consequence means she won't be returning to the House in January. So that's the consequence in, in the primaries. Let's turn to Importantville's Adam Wren. Adam, what about the general election? Is the midterm momentum shifting at all after the Supreme Court ruling? Now some legislative successes for President Biden in recent weeks. Do Republicans still feel confident they can take back both houses of Congress? Yeah, Dan, I think it is. Mitch McConnell said last week on the campaign trail when he was back in Kentucky that he thinks it's still more likely that the House will flip rather than the Senate and conceded that candidate quality uh, really is important in these Senate, Senate elections, which are statewide, unlike House races. And so in places like Ohio, where J.D. Vance is struggling uh, to, to really raise money and gain traction, uh, you know, the Republican uh, National Committee is really putting a lot of money there because uh, the quality of the candidates in places like Ohio and Pennsylvania is, is not really what it should be. Let's ask uh, Democratic strategist Laura Beck about that. Laura, can Democrats keep control of the Senate? And what are some of the biggest factors at play in your view? Well, I think there's a lot of factors in play. I mean, I think the uh, legislative wins um, definitely by uh, President Biden, as well as what's happening um, with the Dobbs decision and how it's trickling down in the, in the various states. Um, I think that's motivating midterm, uh, midterm voters. But another piece I think that's motivating people is Donald Trump himself. I mean, we are two years away from a presidential election and we're talking about Donald Trump. And if you are a Republican on the ballot, 
that doesn't really win over swing voters. That doesn't win over independents. Um, and it also is motivating motivating Republicans. I, I feel like the MAGA base is, is shrinking just a little because there are establishment Republicans who are really uncomfortable with him. And his endorsements may very well hurt some of these folks in these, in these um, communities and in okay. these states where they really need to swing to the middle. Okay, finally, former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy. Mike, I want to get your response to what Laura said there and also get your take on where Mike Pence fits into all this here in 2022 and as we move toward 24. What kind of a voice will he be at the national level, maybe as a candidate, and particularly if he does get called to testify in front of the January 6th committee? Well, first of all, I think Liz Cheney, uh, I mean, is a profile in courage, is all I can say. That doesn't mean she has a political future, though. If you look at uh, uh, others who try to be independent of the Republican Party, for the most part, and would run for president, and then they lose, and all of a sudden you can't even see him at a county fair anymore. I mean, she re really risked becoming John Kasich with high heels. I mean, whoever hears or even cares what John Kasich has to say anymore, and I'm afraid that may happen to her. Having said that, I think a lot of Republicans are looking for someone other than Trump, even though I have to concede that the, the party is still 90% the Donald Trump party, absolutely. Pence? I think he still has a role. I think he's amazing at his ability to slide in between the cracks and stay relevant. And I think you'll see him at least in the race through South Carolina. Okay. Pence, meantime, calling for an end to the rhetoric we've heard from some Republicans about the FBI in recent days as well. Let's change gears here and talk about this Inflation Reduction Act that the president signed into law this week. Adam, this was a sweeping bill that for a while seemed very doomed to fail until suddenly they had the votes. Yeah, I mean, this is a really consequential piece of, of legislation. Uh, you know, this is a big win for Secretary Pete Buttigieg, uh, who gets his EV tax credit in this. Um, and it really didn't seem likely. But uh, Joe Biden can really take the argument to the American people after Labor Day and said, look, I said that I would return the country to normal. And uh, yes, we still have challenges. But the legislative process, democracy still works. And, and the Senate and the House can still do big things like the Inflation Reduction Act. Different observers have come to different conclusions, Laura, about whether this bill will actually do much to reduce inflation, but it is some of the most significant climate-related legislation that we've seen in some time. It is. You're talking about nearly $400 billion over a decade. I think this is a huge win for environmental policy. And I would echo what Adam said. This is a great win for the administration because this is a point that Joe Biden can say, I said I would deliver on these issues and this is how I was able to do it. Now, the shortcoming is it's not the full delivery. It's not the full offering. There were things that were cut out. Uh, but, it, but certainly in terms of the environment, I think that's the strongest argument here. This was a major landmark piece of legislation and something I think will carry on in the Biden legacy. Speaking of Congress, this weekend we're learning more about the path forward in the second district after Jackie Walorski's death. We're going to talk more about the candidates in that race next week. But, Laura, it was certainly notable that the former Attorney General, Curtis Hill, tried to make a comeback in the midst of all the controversy that he's faced, which, which he called, quote, old news this past week. What's your response to that? Well, it, it may be old news for him, but I don't think it's old news for a lot of other people. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's you just can never, uh, never underestimate hubris and, and people um, believing that they are 
uh, that, that they have a, a path forward. Um, to me, what's interesting, especially about you know these type of caucuses that you have, is that um, they really are won and lost at that precinct committee person level. Um, and those are those are all based on relationships and how long you've known folks. And I mean, he's had a long history up in, in that district as, as a prosecutor right. there and is well known. Okay. So it'll, yeah. you know, it, it just remains to be seen with him. As, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. Meantime, Mike, a popular former governor, may also be looking to make a return to politics with two former Mitch Daniels aides uh, forming a pack this week, encouraging him to run again for governor in 2024. Quickly, do you think we'll see him back on the ballot again? I sure hope so. He did a national interview with uh, Neil Cavuto a few weeks ago and said, you know, my friends will have to wait on that decision until after I actually leave the presidency of Purdue. But I'll tell you, I was one of the first contributors yesterday. I think he's the most consequential Indiana governor since Oliver Morton in the Civil War. All right, we'll see what happens. Coming up next, the NBA taking a stance on civic engagement. We'll tell you what they will and won't be doing this coming election day. The NBA says it won't hold any games on Election Day this year on November 8th. In a statement, the association says it wants to support nonpartisan civic engagement and encourage fans to make a plan to vote. Over the next few months, teams through their websites will provide information on their state's voting process and voter registration deadlines. All 30 teams will play on Monday, November 7th, the day before Election Day, with the league hoping teams will use those games as a final opportunity to stress the importance of voting the next day. Stick around. We're back to wrap things up right after this. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Laura. My winner and loser is Liz Cheney. Obviously, she lost her primary, but she stood up for convictions and I believe behaved truly courageously. My other winner is Mitch Daniels. A lot of times as a candidate, you have to beg to get supporters. He has supporters begging him to get in the race with that pack. Pretty neat dynamic. Day. Adam. Uh, going off of Laura's comment, my losers are the Republican gubernatorial field in 2024. The fact that people are asking for Mitch Daniels uh, is sort of an indictment of people thinking that they're, they have a good field right now. Mike? I say I have two uh, winners. The first are uh, double winner, uh, Ben Leto and Christy Luther, who had started that movie, or the, uh, the uh, Mitch Daniels pack. And um, also, uh, like Laura said, Liz Cheney, a true profiling current. Laura? Uh, my loser is Brent Waltz. Um, I talked a little bit earlier about hubris, and I think hubris was on display, especially in that interview with the Indianapolis Star um, that he gave earlier this week. Uh, my winner is President Biden for um, pulling the Inflation Reduction Act over the line um, and looking forward to watching it get implemented. All right, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again next weekend on In Focus.